Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast. Feeling confident doesn't actually matter. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you're a podcast returner, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith for the third installment of our series discussing the traits of the best teams and players, the seven C's. Today we talk about being confident. We discuss what it looks like when players and teams are truly confident, what it looks like when they aren't confident, ways we coaches sometimes hurt their confidence, and ways we can help build true confidence. We also talk about how being confident can help players with the top five issues we see with the mental game, and Alicia's tips for coaches to instill the true kind of confidence all season long. This episode is brought to you by our free workbook, The Softball Coach's Guide to Crafting Your Dream Season. We say that softball is 90% mental, but it's not that easy to implement the mental game 90% of the time. Or can it be? Let us guide you through crafting your dream season by showing you how to implement the mental game every day without it feeling like one more thing you have to do. To get your free copy of the workbook, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and click Yes, I Am. Now let's get back to the show. Today we are talking about confidence. And before we jump into what it looks like and what it doesn't, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we define it. So we say that there's a clear distinction between the feeling of confidence and being confident. So how I define it is the feeling confident is the emotional piece that comes and goes and sometimes has no rhyme or reason. It can swing dramatically within a day (laughs) because of who knows what. Uh, And Alicia, I want you to talk about uh, your metaphor for what confidence is and what it feels like and how it improves over time. I kind of view it as, you know, it ebbs and flows or a wave, you know, as it speaks in valleys. And I think every, every player is always going to experience those, but I think what, you know, we're trying to do is to minimize the valleys and extend those peaks for, for long periods of time and recognize that their confidence should not be tied to their performance. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's ever a way of not being affected at all. Like a lot of sports psychologists and professionals I like to say that confidence is fragile, which I get, but I don't think true confidence is. I think it is really easy to have days where you just feel terrible and like, why do I even do this? But I think the strength comes from that inner confidence of knowing like, all right, it's just a bad day. I can get through it. And here's why. Absolutely. And I think that we all have those bad days. And I think part of that's just recognizing that, right? If you're going into a practice, for example, and you've just had a bad day, I think it's it's one of those things where if you can really recognize that and try to push that aside and, and mentally prepare for practice, that helps minimize that as well. Absolutely. I think just calling it out sometimes makes it feel a little less terrible. <laughs> and I think if you have those conversations with your teammates too, you know, you're never alone in those situations. And if you can just come up to a teammate sometimes, it's like, look, I've had a really crappy day today. Um, that might help them to just kind of be able to talk about that and get that out of their system. Uh, absolutely. Coaches too. <laughs> coaches too. Lord knows I've had my, come to my practice, you know, and, and the, my players always make fun of me because they can tell, I, I always park in the, behind the, the outfield. And so you walk all the way up to the dugout and they can, they're usually stretching by the time I get there. And they always tell me, we can tell how practice is going to go by the way you walk up to the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> so they know whether to say, Hey coach, what's up? Or just to let me, uh, let me walk alone without saying anything, which is kind of funny, but um, we all have those bad days. Mm-hmm. As long as you get through them, right? right. 
Um, so now let's get into what confidence looks like on the field when your girls are feeling it and you know that they're trusting it and believing in themselves to the core, believing in the team. What does that look like on the field? Two words come to mind. They're really loose and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, we've all as coaches have seen that happen. We've seen we've seen that moment for kids or even teams when when they are so loose and they are having fun and they're talking and they're bouncing around. And if something does happen where a ground ball maybe is missed or a pot flies drop, they bounce right back very quickly. But the mm-hmm. key is that that's what you want and you know it's there and you know they can get there sometimes, but it's just not consistent or usually doesn't start usually don't start the season that way, right? You want you usually have to try to build uh, on that for the entire season or even sometimes an entire career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think part of the battle is getting them to see that. It's easier for us because we've seen it season after season. Like we've seen player after player g- gain that confidence and the momentum. But especially really in this season, trying to be like, you guys, we're good. It's okay. <laughs> right. Those first few weeks usually are pretty rough because, you know, as you know, being here in Michigan with sometimes we're inside for a good solid two weeks of practice where they're getting those true hops on the, on the gym floor, for example, and they're fielding, you know, the softy squishy balls that they, and they can't even feel the, a real ball. And then they get outside for the first time and the ground's usually pretty mushy and they start having real balls. That first few practices are pretty ugly just because they're, they're really just rusty Mm -hmm. and not used to the hops and they adjust quickly, but sometimes that even something like that can affect their confidence. Absolutely. But again, like when you go in, like telling them, hey, there is going to be an adjustment period, it can help them get through that a lot faster. Absolutely. So how about the opposite? What are some signs that tell you the girls either collectively or individually are not feeling confident today? Oh, body language is a big one. Um, You can tell that they're not talking as much. Usually when it goes from bad to worse, you know, we've all had innings like that or even games like that. When we talked a lot about that again in, in my season, the snowball effect, it the talk just goes way down. Um, their shoulders are slumped. They're they're just not in that in that mind frame that they need to be. But it's almost always body language. You can see it a mile away. Usually um, mm-hmm. I can usually tell how if my player is going to get a hit or not by the just by the way they walk up to the box. Mm-hmm. You know, how are they holding their bat? How are they walking up to the box? Um, that's always one of the big indicators for me is their, is their body language. Absolutely. And I think as you go through your career, you get better and better, especially when you have girls multiple years at reading those signals really quickly. So then it just becomes a feeling like I notice now, even when I watch other teams, I'm like, Hmm, they feel like they're losing some energy, but that's all just based on the information you've gathered. Cause you see these little things, you notice the change, even just their tone of voice sometimes. Oh yeah. You can definitely see too. Like, for example, they may not, they may not go into the circle and give a pitcher a high five or, you know, they might not turn around and talk to their outfielders. And, you know, if an outfielder drops a ball, for example, they know you can see their shoulders slumping, but also the team isn't necessarily there to pick her right back up just because mm-hmm. of their confidence and in, in maybe either the player or themselves or the overall team. Mm-hmm. So Now flipping to, because that usually is, it starts by circumstances. They had a bad inning, a bad at bat, carried a bad day with them onto the field. But what are some things that you've noticed, like you or other coaches have done, you can tell, chip away at that confidence? I think sometimes as coaches, we get really emotionally invested in, in everything that we're doing. And 
um, I'd say one of my weaker, weaker aspects of my coaching is, is the emotional control. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to chip away at that confidence. If you are reacting in such a negative way, for example, when, you know, they miss a ground ball or something, or you yell at them, um, embarrass them in front of the team or in front of the whole field. Um, if you pull that kid very quickly or, or after an error, um, you know, that, that sometimes that will definitely chip away at their confidence. And I think it's, it's that public display, right? So they're, they're kind of humiliated in front of the entire softball field, right? If they're pulled right away, um, or yelled at, especially mm -hmm. from the dugout or from a distance where everyone can hear. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the types of things too, that, that can be very, very negative for those players. And there's one thing to, you know, for me, I will get upset with them if they're not hustling because I fully believe that's something they can fully control. But when they, when they don't run the play right or miss a ground ball or drop a fly ball, then that's when you've got to learn, I think, as a coach to what is the right thing to say at the right time. But that goes back to just knowing your players. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because we do have to hold them accountable and say things right when we see them. I've had the opposite where I just held in like, okay, I'll just talk to them all after about all these mistakes. And then they, they were overthinking them as it was. Mm -hmm. So finding that balance of, okay, like here's your feedback. But I think what you said with the, like the embarrassment piece, like that's what they take to heart because they're already mad at themselves. But when they feel embarrassed, like, oh, I just got caught out in front of everyone. Now everyone knows I suck. Mm -hmm. I think that's the part where it starts to get to them. And sometimes it could just be one comment and their confidence goes way down mm -hmm. for a long time. And it's, it's so hard to build it up and so easy to, to tear down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's why I think just the constant little bits of feedback, not talking all the time, but then it gets them accustomed to, yes, yeah, sometimes they say things that make me feel not good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you really mess up on that play. You, you lost focus. Okay. But I know that coach has also given me 80 million other pieces of feedback that were just constructive. So it's fine. Mm -hmm. I think another sneaky way that I feel like I hurt my players' confidence, I've used quality of bats for a long time, and I do think they're way better than traditional stats, but I think I use them too much. So I'd bring them to practice, and every at-bat, I'd be tracking them. So then they'd be focused on that instead of the at-bat and looking at the numbers. And I think that chipped away at their confidence too because they forgot about the things that were in their control, and they were only thinking about What's coach writing down? Was that a quality of that? Was that hard contact enough or this and that? So that was a very sneaky way. I accidentally hurt a bunch of those players' confidence. I had a similar situation a couple of years ago where I had asked, uh, we were playing a team um, that wasn't very strong and we knew that their pitching wasn't going to be very strong. So I really wanted my kids, for example, in that game to focus on line drives. So, you know, we put a consequence for every pop-up you know, that they hit and what the intention was, was to get them to focus on hitting line drives and, and to narrow in that focus as opposed to trying to kill the ball or, you know, hit home runs all the time. Um, and that became like arguments in the dugout with what the coach was documenting, whether it was a, whether that was a pop-up or not. And it was very, very counterproductive, just like you said. <laughs> uh -huh. And it, it caused some drama and some anger. And it was just very frustrating um, because they missed the point. But like you said, I think putting the, Emphasis in the wrong place can also can also hurt confidence because that's what, all that they were thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. And um, oh, I just got another sprint for my team, and then they would get upset or even upset at each other. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can't blame them. You want to be competitive and try hard, but I think all it takes is just a different approach. Absolutely. So let's go right into that. Let's start with how we could have approached those situations better. I think for for what I should have done differently would have been maybe reframing that into a positive way. So maybe rewarding them for a certain number of line drives that they what they had in the game, as opposed to a, a negative consequence. Um, I think definitely would have helped that situation. <laughs> Especially in games. I think there is a place for negative consequences, but I think they're better in practice because you have a little more time to make adjustments and process and deal with those consequences where they seem more traumatic in the games when you mess up. Absolutely. I'm always telling my, my team to make adjustments and in game, make adjustments, make adjustments. But again, if we're not focusing on the right thing in the right way, that adjustment is very difficult to do because they may just not even understand what they're supposed to be adjusting to. Mm-hmm. So reframing that for them all the time, uh, even in game is, is definitely helpful, but setting that up in practice is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I did the following year was I still used quality bats because I use them to make my lineups and just track. I like data. <laughs> so tracking things, but instead of having it like visible all the time and having the girls thinking about it, I just kept that to myself. And in practice, we talked about the things that were going to get them more quality at bats. Maybe their pitch selection was off. Maybe the pitchers were not trusting their best pitches. So again, it's just a reframe of, okay, what do I make sure they're focusing on to make sure that their confidence isn't affected by things that are out of their control? Agree. And then also, also, you know, you have the lesson of learning and improving in that same situation. Mm-hmm. I love that. What are some things, because I think, I can't remember who said it, uh, competence builds confidence. So the best way to be that true confident is to see yourself do it and know that you've done it before. So like you can think you can all you want, but until you prove that you can do it, your brain's not going to be fooled. But there are so many instances where I think players miss the opportunity to see like, see, you did it. (laughs) Give them 10 reps in a row, guarantee they remember the bad ones, not the good ones. Even if it was nine good ones, they're going to remember that bad one bad Mm -hmm. one. I think one of the biggest things that gets to us and gets to our players when they're not paying attention to the things that are going well is their self-talk is all negative. So what are some things you've done with your girls to help get their self-talk more positive and productive? Um, one of the first things that we've done, and we do this every year because I really truly feel like this is one of the most important places to start. And one of the most important things that you can teach your team and your players to to help with their confidence, the positive self-talk. So the first thing we do is we just, we have an exercise where we ask them to write down, what do they say that, you know, give them a situation, a situation that's pretty, pretty tough. Like maybe there's two outs, bottom of the seventh and the tying run is on second base and you're up to bat with two strikes and you strike out. So that's the situation you're in. What do you say to yourself? And I think just the awareness that what they write down is step one, because you'll have a lot of kids that will tell you, I don't, I don't know what I think, or I'm not sure what I say to myself in that situation. And just the awareness piece is so critical. And you would be actually amazed and surprised on the terrible things that they say to themselves. Mm-hmm. And and if I ask them to turn to their teammate 
or even me and yell that same phrase to my face or to your teammate's face, they either have a hard time with it or can't do it or, or they're like, Oh my God, I would never say that to my teammate. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but then why would you allow yourself that same thought? That's not okay. So awareness is super critical. Then, you know, we work through and walk through the process of the reframing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and how important it is for you to constantly have positive talk and making sure that that thought is just positive, productive, and helpful and not destructive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that exercise. And you told me, I was like, oh, I needed that as a player. Because I, like all the way through college, I, I was a very nice person. And people who knew me outside the field and saw me play, they were like, dang, you're intense. <laughs> <laughs> Like, really? That's how you behave when you get competitive? Like, total, total fireball, uh, which was helpful in some ways, which was part of the problem. Like, being critical of yourself. Uh, we talked about perfectionism before, but like, the getting down on yourself, it helps to a certain point because it pushes you, but it also puts a ceiling on your potential. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest aha moments in my junior year, my like turning point with this mental stuff was realizing how basically how mean I was being to myself. So I tell my girls now, like, do you bully other people? Are you rude? Are you demeaning? And like, no, no, no. I'm like, well, then why do you do it to yourself? And they're like, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> that's, but that's what it is. That is what it is. And really, like, all these girls typically especially if they make it through high school and beyond like they're there because they want to make an impact on the team and be a good teammate to those around them for the most part (laughs) so when you're doing this you're really being a bad teammate so that's what really got to me was like shoot that's not what I want so then I realized okay got to get a grip on this got to figure it out and just the act of trying to replace those thoughts it took a lot of work but I (laughs) This thing memory of my senior year, I'm playing third base or playing for whatever, shortstop, something. And every rep, I'm getting a bunch of reps in a row and I'm talking out loud because that's the only way I could get myself to do this. And one of the freshmen picked up on it. She was like, Mel, you're kind of weird, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get it. It sounds funny and it feels funny at first, but it was so much better after every rep. It was just like, stay down. Like, oops, missed that one. Okay, move through it this way. All right, that was a good one. Nice job getting that hop. Like, I'm ta- saying this out loud to myself every single rep. And that's what it takes to flip it. Because otherwise, the negative thoughts creep in so fast. It's definitely difficult. And I know that as a coach, we've, as and as players, right, we have this idea of being perfect. So I always tell my kids, perfectionism is not possible. So why do we continue to strive for something that's literally impossible? You could be perfect for a game from a stat standpoint, for example, hitting four for four, but you can't be perfect in everything you do because it's just not possible. So we strive for excellence and we strive for getting better every day. So that is perfectionism. I think is probably a lot of kids hold themselves to the standard that is just literally unreachable. Mm -hmm. So, so of course, the first time they miss a ground ball in the first first play of the first inning, you know, if that's if that if you can't get past that quickly, right, and that destroys your confidence because you just missed a ground ball, then you're done for the game. 
Mm-hmm. And I know we've all coached, you know, players like that. And I've, I've worked with players in many different, um, with many different techniques. And one of them was this out loud self-talk. Mm-hmm. I had her just repeat in the cage because she was really struggling over and over and over. I'm a good hitter. I'm a good hitter before every pitch. I'm a good hitter. And then as she, maybe four or five reps in, she started to make connect or connect with the ball. And then her contact was even stronger. And now she was hitting hard line drives. And I could literally see her shoulders go from slouching to back up and confident. It just with, just was saying, I'm a good hitter over and over and over. And, you know, you got to sometimes fake it till you make it. You've heard that before. You've got to continue to say that mm-hmm. even if you swing and miss. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this, what you did, I think is awesome. Just just continually talking out loud. And, and I think if you can get your kids to the point where they're comfortable with that, saying that out loud, it helps verbalize that. And it really kind of really helps cement it because you really don't know what they're thinking. You could probably tell just by their body language, but you really need to get them into that into that habit because it is a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said. And I, I think Brian Kane said it, or maybe he got from someone else, but I don't think it's fake it till you make it. I think it's fake it till you find it. That's probably a little bit better like that. Because she had it. She was a good hitter. You weren't telling her you're the best hitter in the world. <laughs> like, yeah. Your brain's going to be like, huh? All right. Yeah. But no, I am a good hitter. Fact. So let me just keep swinging till I find it. <laughs> Good point. I like it. I think one of the most helpful tools with self-talk is reframing because the negative thoughts are going to happen. And it's something you just can't stop and control most times, but you got to do something with them. You can't just let it sit there. You can't ignore it. So I found reframing to be super helpful. So the thought comes in, there's no judgment. Um, I just told myself I suck. (laughs) And maybe after that bat, like maybe people agree and that's okay. But you have to continue that conversation in your head towards something more productive. So we call it the power of and. Okay, that was a terrible swing. And it was only one strike. I get another shot at it. What are some examples of your girls learning how to reframe? Are you helping them reframe? Yeah, I think a a good example would be like for pitchers, for example, you know, instead of, or let's just say the situation is they walk the batter instead of saying something to the effect of, oh, I just walked that batter, they're going to score or something. Just have that reframe of I've got the next one or my team has my back, I've got this. And, And I think that if you can constantly work on switching how you think, in reframing it to a positive that is what really helps you in your performance because we've talked about this before too right your thoughts are just thoughts until you give them emotion right or, or it triggers an emotional response which we know emotion controls your performance mm-hmm. so therefore your thoughts control your performance right so if you can have that positive reframing and that positive self-talk and not have a negative emotional response then you can continue to have that performance mm-hmm and to that emotional piece, like emotions are just a chemical reaction and they're dramatic. <laughs> like they were put into our brains back in the caveman days when we literally had to have that fight or fight response and it was a saber tooth tiger standing in front of us. Now that tiger is not the issue. The issue is now fear and it's worry, it's doubt. So it's going to trigger just as dramatic of an emotion 
but now we can decide how to deal with it. So you don't have to let those thoughts and emotions affect your behaviors anymore. You can now take that little break in between, remind yourself that, okay, no, I do have this. I am a confident person. I may not feel confident after that last pitch I threw in the dirt, but I know I can throw that pitch again. So let's reframe into the next batter. Right. And usually what happens with, with your kids when they make a mistake and that fear does set in, it's almost always because they're afraid of what could happen in the future, right? Mm -hmm. One of those uncontrollables. Well, oh, I just let that runner on. They could score. We could lose. And then that's when all of that negative emotion starts to creep in. Negative thoughts that turn into a negative emotional response, right? So that's why it's so important to work on that reframing and try to, so that fear doesn't seep in because that fear is usually tied to something um, that is a potential thing that could happen in the future. Absolutely. I think this concept of self-talk, it is simple to understand and start with, but it it gets complex and everybody deals with it differently and everybody has their own way of going about it. But once you get good at it, it helps with everything. Like we talk about our top five things people deal with, um, believing in themselves, recovering from mistakes, getting stuck on uncontrollables, getting in their own head, dealing with pressure and expectations, all of those go back to confidence. Absolutely. And you can tie every single one of those directly to confidence. Mm-hmm. So if you're having an off day and you're not figuring out a way to reframe, that's when these things happen. So based on not just this past year's experience, I know you've done self-talk with your team for a while. What have you found has been the most helpful for really getting this concept to make sense to your girls and get them to buy in and start using it every day? Well, we definitely have team talks about this all the time and ask questions and have every kid kind of talk about what do they say, like we mentioned before, Um, but also have some of the older kids share some of their experiences. But from a coach's standpoint, I think that's to step back a minute. I think that really kind of helps the team understand this concept, right? But as a coach, um, this is something that you can do immediately after something happens in practice. So if there's Mm a, you know, a drop fly ball or or a, a walk ball four, instantly ask them, what did you just say to yourself? What are your thoughts right now? and work and actually help them walking through the steps of the reframing process until it becomes a little bit more second nature to them because it's new. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like I mentioned before, you may not even recognize what you're saying to yourself, but having them out loud verbalize it is definitely something that I think is really important. So you can start to have that communication with each player as well. Um, I've actually had them document or write down or tally, if you want to call it just tallying on an index cards, their partner self-talk. You can do that as well. Like, for example, if they're doing a drill and they're partnering up, they're supposed to be talking and saying what they're saying to themselves in their head and then document how many times it's positive versus negative. Obviously, it has to be an honest answer, but, you know, that's really how you start to grow. And then those kids can really help each other out in those drills as well. Absolutely. I just remembered as you were saying that we did a drill once where you got to continue getting reps. It was just front toss station for um, a hitting circuit. You got to stay in as long as you didn't have any negative body language and it was anything. So their partner was there watching like a hawk, any eye roll, any like dramatic deep breath, like deep breath in a good way is good, but like the, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, any little bit of that, you're out. And then they would switch and then they could stay in as long as they didn't have any negative body language. But that's part of the start of that negative self-talk is your reaction to it. 
Absolutely. And you know, those kids are going to do anything they can to stay in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think if you can just continue to make sure that for every, you know, you might even have a specific drill that you really like that, you know, is challenging. Mm -hmm. Right. Even if you had the kids yell out everything that they're, you know, thinking in their head during the drill, it also makes their teammates aware of it. And you can, like you mentioned, you can see that in their body language almost always before, you know, that actual statement comes out. But if they start doing it and they have to do it in front of their teammates, they also might be a little more conscious of what they're saying, therefore thinking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So based on all this, what would you say are your top tips for coaches to bring out this confidence and keep building it throughout the season? I think, honestly, it's just a true dedication to, to something every day having the patience and understanding these are very small building blocks every single day that don't really kind of add up to this big building, so to speak, or this big thing you're trying to build for weeks, months, even years. So I think that it's so critically important to stick to it because I've noticed with my high school team, and this is a general statement, but almost always by the time the kids are into their junior year is really when they make that huge step between freshman and sophomore year to junior and senior year, where almost always the juniors come back and they are so much more confident because they've been through the program at least, you know, for two years, they've heard the same things and they're building on those little small building blocks every single year. And I understand that that comes with experience and maturity, but it's just that constant dedication to it. And you've got to just keep at it. And the kids can't give up on it because it doesn't work one day or they've worked on it for a week and nothing changes from their quote unquote performance or their mm -hmm. output, then that's when you really got to keep pushing and mm -hmm. having the dedication to how important it is. Because if the kids see that you give up on it, then they will too. Absolutely. Because they're looking for almost any excuse to go back to the easier version of self-talk because that negative self-talk, it's not purposeful, of course, but our brains go there more easily. So we can't yeah. give them any fuel. Because the natural choice will always be the easy path, right? So mm -hmm. if it's always the easy path and that's the natural choice, then you've got to really help them go the hard route because that's really where you see those gains. Absolutely. And that is it for this episode. Be sure to grab your freebie. Today's worksheet is directly from our confidence course and helps your players discover how confident they are overall, how often they talk down to themselves, how steady their confidence is, and some confidence roadblocks they may have. To get your PDF and start going through this with your team, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 25. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. We hope you're enjoying the show. If so, we'd truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Then give us a shout out on social media and let us know what you've learned and how you've implemented these tactics with your girls. Hope to see you again next week where we'll be talking about being composed and how to manage your emotions and energy to perform your best. Hope to see you then. Have a good one.